This week for me, this last week, was just a wonderful week, a blessed week. It started in Wells, Maine. I officiated the wedding of a woman who's like a daughter to me, really is the second daughter to me. Her and her husband are people who want to serve. He serves in the educational field. She serves in the nonprofit field. They wanted me to pray during their wedding, which is just such a blessing. They wanted me to pray about injustice. They wanted me to pray about people to serve. It was such a refreshing moment to see two people willing to put their love and their faith in action. That's how I started the first Saturday of my beach vacation. Then Sunday through Friday was on the beach, Ocean Park, with my whole family, my daughters, my son, their spouses, boyfriends, and my four grandchildren. Triplets, age six, never stop talking, <laughs> never stop running, skimboarding, volleyball, digging in the sand, going on this lazy, crazy river every day of the week. It was magical, according to them. One was talking to my daughter as we were leaving, and his lip was quivering because he was trying to convince himself that the magical journey at the beach was going to continue when he got back home to New Jersey. It was just a blessed week. In all of the chaos, all of the running around, all of the sun, I had times where I could just sit on the beach in the sand and gain a real deep understanding of who God is. You see God in the fury of the waves crashing down upon that beach. You see God in every grain of sand. The Warrens were up on Mount Washington this week. And Ethan just showed me this beautiful video of them going up the mountain. And you could see the expanse of the mountains, all the trees. You see God when you're in the mountains and you're just resting in him. Such a beautiful creation. But I just sat there on a seven-mile beach thinking, he knows every grain of sand on this beach. And this is a small beach in Maine, every grain of sand. It brought to me the words of this song, which, to be honest, I hate to age myself, but I always do up here, it seems. Came out in the early 80s, a song that I had long forgotten about but it's a Christian song. Here's what the words say, and they explain the power of the creation. I hear the ancient footsteps, like the motion of the sea. Sometimes I turn, there's someone there. Other times, it's only me. I am hanging in the balance of a perfect, finished plan, like every sparrow falling, like every grainward sand. Then onward in my journey, I come to understand that every hair is numbered like every grain of sand. In the fury of the moment, I can see the master's hand in every leaf that trembles in every grain of sand. This vacation, with all the noise, all the talking, all the running, taught me one very important thing. You have to rest 
in God's creation. There is blessing that cannot be measured by just taking a trip up Mount Washington. Just taking a kayak down the Merrimack River. Going for a boat ride on a lake. Or just this, opening your back door and sitting in your backyard. Looking in our case, in our neighborhood, at the black bear walking through the neighborhood these days. God's creation. Be blessed by it. I was truly blessed by it this week. The message I'm about to give to you is an unusual one, but I want to make it really clear from the beginning. This is not a political message. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're an independent. There's no politics in this message. I'll talk about a political figure that, to me, is an icon, is a hero. I've heard him speak up at Bates College at a graduation about four years ago. I've never seen an orator like this man. He can galvanize you to act with the snap of a finger. More importantly, he can galvanize you to act through the most powerful weapon in his body, his tongue. John Lewis served in the House of Representatives for 33 years, beginning in 1987. But it, what, it was what he did before that journey that is just awe-striking. As a very young man, a teenager, actually, and then in his early 20s, he became an icon of the civil rights movement. There are many, many pictures of him marching. But what he always stressed is, I march in peace. I march with an everlasting love. There are pictures of him walking over the bridge from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, walking and facing police coming right at him, knowing he's going to be peaceful and he's about to be run over and beaten and gassed. That was the courage of John Lewis that he carried through his life. But when he spoke, people listened. When he saw injustice, he stepped in. He acted. Here's a famous quote of his, and this was part of his speech up at Bates College. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Here's the real important part for us today. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and to get in some good trouble, necessary trouble. That's probably his most famous line. He wanted people to get in good trouble. Remember all the questions that were just up on that video? The answers are getting in good trouble. The answers are serving people. The answers are acting on your faith. The answers are standing up against injustice when you see it. Good trouble. Necessary trouble. So I thought, after watching this man, after hearing him in person, who is the best example of someone who was always willing to get in some good trouble? 
This was good spiritual trouble. You know what the answer is? You can call it out. Jesus. Jesus Christ. So John Lewis set a human example. Let's talk about the godly example of good trouble. I'll give you two examples. There are hundreds. All you have to do is pick up this book and read it. I often get called religious. People will say, don't swear like that around him. He's religious. I don't like that. I'm not religious. Quite often I'll tell people, did you know that Christ railed against the religion of his day? Here it is. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, excuse me. Wow. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changes and overturned their table. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, hear this, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. This same story, this same truth, I should say, is told in Matthew 21, 12, in a slightly different way. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you ever read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Wow. That is getting in some spiritual good trouble. The religious leaders were indignant, very unhappy with Jesus at what he had done in the temple courts. Two really powerful things to learn from this. This house that you're in, according to your Lord and Savior, is a sanctified place. You can't stain it with commercialism. Could you imagine if we were in here right now when we were worshiping and there was a life insurance table set up there and someone was playing a gambling game over here 
and someone was selling their goods in this aisle, how would you feel about this church? I hope you would turn and run, or even better, you'd get in some spiritual good trouble. You'd turn some tables over, just like the Messiah did. That's what he's teaching us. This is a house of worship. This is a house where what do we do? We praise God. We just did it in a very powerful way during worship. Secondly, when he says destroy this temple and he's talking about himself, hallelujah. Why? It's going to be raised in three days. The tomb is overturned. He walks out of that tomb and he is alive today. He'll be alive for you tomorrow. For the person sitting over here who's coming to him today, oh, how alive he is today. The disciples, if you'll notice, then recalled, hey, he said that back when he overturned the temple courts. So when they saw him again, when they saw his resurrected body, they hearkened back to the temple courts where he overturned tables and had this very interesting discussion because they're not quite sure what he's talking about when he says, destroy this temple and it will be raised up again in three days. Jesus never, ever was afraid to get in spiritual good trouble. And to be honest with you, we are at times. I know I am at times. There are times where I keep my mouth shut. That's not a time to keep my mouth shut. If someone, for instance, which I hear all too often today, is just desecrating the name of Jesus Christ, it's probably the number one curse in our society at this point. It's time to get in some good trouble at this point, right? There's a very easy way to do it. I hear it all the time, especially on the golf course after a bad shot. They tend to yell out the Lord's name. And I just want to say, hallelujah. Uh, you seem to be doing that all the time. We do it on You should come and hear Richie and the worship team. You'll definitely be saying it, right? That's good spiritual trouble. People apologize to me when they use other curse words. It's amazing. I don't care about those words. They're meaningless. But when they say Jesus Christ in vain, a part of me dies. I find myself praying for them. I really do. But why not speak up, Mr. Temple? Why not say something? Use your sense of humor if you have to, but be a defender of Jesus. Because I can tell you one thing, Soraya, when you sung that song, my heart just screams, Jesus is my defender. Every day, each and every minute, each and every moment. He is defending me. Why won't I defend him? Why won't you defend him? Right? As kids, we love to get in trouble, usually bad trouble. Who wouldn't love to get in some good spiritual trouble? Jesus loved it. We need to, to love it. Step in when it's necessary. And I love that in the temple courts, when he steps in, what do we get out of it? With the good trouble, we get the good news, the gospel news, that he went to the cross, that he died, that he raised himself up again in three days, and he lives now. And if you believe in him, 
you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. That's what it's all about. So this is my, my favorite part of Jesus, because I can just imagine how frustrated the religious leaders of his day were with him. Again and again and again, he does things at what they see as the completely wrong time. They test him again and again and again. They test him all the way to the cross. John Lewis was arrested over 40 times for getting in good trouble, necessary trouble. Jesus was arrested. And it sent him to the cross. And thank God that he was willing to get in good trouble for you, for you, for you, for you. Because you sit here and you have eternal life because you believe in the Savior who was willing to stand up to those Pharisees. Let's take a look at Mark. It's verse 3, starting in 1, and these are just six verses, but wow, are they powerful. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. He's about to get in some real good spiritual trouble. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Heridians how they might kill Jesus. Wow. He's in trouble. Yeah. For healing someone on the Sabbath. Why? Because of their legalistic man-made rules that they had put into place. Could you imagine coming into this church you needed to be prayed upon. You needed to be healed. And we said, not on the Sabbath. We don't do that here. We would never do that here. And Jesus is teaching us a very important lesson here. He's saying to the religious leaders of his day, you don't even understand that God created the Sabbath in the beginning as a day of rest a day of blessing, and you have turned it into a day of burden. How dare you do that? Let, the Bible's true, right? Jesus was angry. He was distressed. He was not happy with these religious leaders. Why? Because they were very good at rituals. They were very good at adorning themselves and looking really religious. They were good about putting on a show. But that's all it was. And guess who called them out on that? Jesus. Again and again and again, 
in the Bible, he basically says to, to them in our common day language, you're a bunch of fakes. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You don't know God. You can't even recognize the Son of God when he's standing in front of you. These experts in the law, so to speak, failed to recognize the Messiah. Far worse than that, they sent him to the cross. The worship team can come on up. So what do we do with all of this? What am I telling you today? Is it good to stand up here as an elder and say, go get in trouble? Well, it wouldn't be if it was the kind of trouble that you could get arrested for, kind of trouble that was really evil, kind of trouble that hurt people. No, no, I'm not telling you to do that. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Put your faith into action. The Bible is very clear. Take a look at James 2, 17. And Mark has spoken on this very well. It says very simply, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Is dead, people. We have to act. When those questions went up today on the video, which I knew nothing about, the answers are getting in good spiritual trouble. The answers are loving others. That's good. The answers are serving others. Doing acts of kindness. When you see an injustice happening to a person, stepping in and in a godly manner, acting. Acting out of love. Acting out of peace. But you're just not sitting in your chair saying, I've got faith. I don't need to do anything now. I'm going to heaven. I'm all set. You need to act. Jesus is calling you to act. The gospel is not a call to sit in your seat and do nothing. The gospel is to be social missionaries. The gospel is to get out of your seat. The gospel is to spread the message of Jesus Christ throughout this community, throughout this state, throughout the United States of America, throughout the world. We have a great diversity in this church. People from all over the world. I have sat in life group and listened to people from the Philippines who told me that they were in a place where they could not be caught worshiping or reading their Bible. But you know what? They were bound and determined to get in some good trouble. They were getting together. They were worshiping. They were reading. And they were going to be persecuted if they were caught. But they weren't going to stop. Just amazing stories throughout this church of people all over this world who now center themselves in New Hampshire, in this church, and are willing to act on their faith. You just heard about the transformation grants. That's acting on your faith. It doesn't take much. Sometimes it's just seeing a homeless person sitting there and giving them something to eat. That's all it is. A random act of godly kindness. 
that comes because you believe in Jesus. You believe in the grace, the mercy, the love, the peace, the kindness that he showers upon you and you want to act on your faith. So love one another. Encourage and build up people. Stand up to judgment and condemnation. Stand up to the injustices that happen to us locally, nationally, and in this world. But stand up on your faith. The cornerstone of everything you do is your faith in Jesus. And sometimes you're not perfect in your walk. I know I am not, not even close. But there are times when you'll know. There are times where you'll hear that Holy Spirit saying, stand up, get in some good spiritual trouble. Get in some necessary spiritual trouble. Don't let that happen on your watch. It's time to put your love and your faith into action. You will be blessed beyond all measure. There'll be a day when you see Jesus and you will actually be rewarded for getting in some good spiritual trouble. I can't wait. There are people we know right now, people like Dave Gazaway, Kathleen Malway, others who were willing to get in some spiritual good trouble. They were willing to act on their faith. And I sit here now and I am so blessed by the fact that they're up there with Jesus. Look forward to that day, people. Look forward to that reward and let it be a blessing to you. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching. Thank you.